Howdy, everybody, and welcome again to another episode of the Greg Seuss Podcast. In collaboration with uh, my buddies Domingo Rodriguez and Dan Almira, part of the podcast The Point with DA, we're going to be breaking down a little bit of FSU football. First off, we're going to be talking about the uh, debacle, uh, to say the least, against Georgia Tech in the opener and how this team has been, uh, you know, ebbing and flowing in the last week or so and how they prep for their uh, rival game against Miami coming up. Uh, a lot of Knowles talk, a lot of sports. Uh, some of it gets pretty dark, uh, as you can imagine. Losing uh, an opener with your first-year head coach is definitely not a, a good thing. So I would have to say that the tone is uh, probably a little bit negative, but we definitely hit on some bright spots and some areas that the Knowles uh, hopefully can improve on to turn the season around. So I uh, hope you guys enjoy, and uh, let's get into it. Here's me, Domingo, and Dan. Let's go. Welcome back for another edition of the Greg's Podcast, the Beat with DA. We got ourselves a uh, gu- uh, guest, Domingo Rodriguez, here for with us. And we're here to talk about the uh, recap of the FSU Georgia Tech game that happened not this past weekend, but the weekend before that. And then the upcoming Miami and Florida State game, as well as catch you up on a few uh, notable things um, that have happened since the Georgia Tech game. So first off, how you guys doing? Doing great, doing great. I, I'm curious for you guys. I looked back the last time we uh, three of us did a podcast together was uh, beginning of April uh, when yeah. the world was very different. And the whole time we were talking was COVID and sports, COVID and amateur sports. And I actually went back and listened and the consensus all of us had was, you know, it's going to be very unlikely that the universities are going to make amateur athletes go out there, play a sport, especially something like football. Yet here we are. So what changed? Did we just get it all wrong? We all thought there was no way we'd have football. We all got it wrong, apparently. Obviously. I mean, yeah. the games are being played, <laughs> which is a surprise of everybody. I mean, there were yeah. some we called out. We're like, nah, NFL's happening. Right? You know, we could have called that. And, like, some pro leagues were happening. But college was I, – I mean, if you had asked me the same question, like, told me back in April we'd be playing, I wouldn't have believed anybody. Do you think it's just a money thing? Like, were the universities in that dire straits? Like, no, full steam ahead. We have to get that contract money? I'm right out with it, huh? Yeah, yeah. I think yeah, it, okay, it might have been a – probably a money thing, dude. It, it totally – you know, it, it – however, whichever way you twist it, whichever way you turn it and try to get people to buy into a different idea or ideal of why we're playing, um, it all comes back to those contracts. It all comes back to that ad money. ESPN's got to sell ads. CBS has got to sell ads. Like, mm-hmm. come on. Um, but hey, it, it's you know a good morale booster at least for now. I mean, there's there's entire cities in the U.S. that are completely built on having college kids in town and then games on Saturday. That's their entire lifeline. Yep. You know, they get six games out of the year, yeah, give or take, home games, and they stack up and they try to squeeze every little dollar they can out of it. So, so are we going? I so, guess we find we found out officially that that money wins, the money trumps all. So does that mean we escalate like the, you know, numbers that are in the stands right now? You know, it's probably what 20, 25% capacity. What do you, what do you think it's going to look like in, you know, November, December, big 10 coming back? Do you think the numbers are just going to go up? I, th- I think big 10 could go crowdless. 
honestly. Yeah. You, 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 yeah. Have, you have the winter months hitting with like a supposed second wave and like, you know, just bad months for colds and sickness. Like that's not a mm-hmm. good recipe. Like I think they might, like Ohio State might try to push and get away with some stuff, like Nebraska mm-hmm. clearly. Um, but mm, I, don't, I don't, I can't see too many crowds in Big Ten country right now. Yeah, um, I don't see it. I don't see them adjusting the, the capacity for no. any, anywhere that it is right now is, is where it's is That's the it. highest it's going to be. If anything, it's going to go lower, but even then, I think it's just going to stay wherever it is right now. And I think that's that's the game that they'll play. Just, just turn up the crowd noise decibel. Yeah. <laughs> so, turn up the dial. So I know the NFL is doing fake crowd noise. Is college yeah. doing that too? I, dude, so there, I, I noticed two things in the last two weeks. Uh, CBS has gone towards sound mixing for their college games. So instead of having a live audio pumping in or catching that audio that's pumping in, they've been sound mixing a loop um, on the broadcast. Uh, I caught them do it for a couple games two weekends ago for like some of the smaller FBS teams. Um, but then last night, Seattle was pumping in real sound. I was shocked. I was wow. watching and I was like, wait, that's not, that's not the broadcast. That's the real, that's, that's like in the stadium. And it was kind of a little weird because they, you know, you can't get every reaction correctly from a crowd, but it was still interesting. So I think you're going to see a mix of that between different colleges trying different things. Can I say that's fair? Like if you're home field advantage, like you should have the right to be able to pump some of the noise in. I mean, I mean, I think that's totally okay. (laughs) Yeah, I agree with that. Nice. All right, so catch everybody up from the Georgia Tech game. Uh, We had three probably big uh, uh, news uh, updates that came uh, subsequent to the Georgia Tech game. First one being that head coach Mike Norvell will not be the coach for the Miami FSU game. He has been diagnosed with COVID-19, caught. I think the news finally came out on Saturday. Um, so as part of their 10-day quarantine and, and all that contact tracing, all that, uh, Chris Thompson, who is the tight ends coach, will be uh, the deputy. He was a deputy head coach. Now he is the head coach for the Miami game. Second thing of news was uh, there were three players transferred subsequent to the Georgia Tech game. Most notably, DJ Matthews, who was a at-time starter last year at wide receiver, as well as Isaiah Bolden, former cornerback, changed to wide receiver in the offseason, an old uh, Willie Taggart recruit, and then finally, Jamarcus uh, Chapman, who pro- most people probably don't even recognize that name from the 2018 class. He was a defensive tackle in high, high school. They tried him out at defensive end, wasn't working. He was one of the players that actually, I think he might be the only one or one of two players that opted out preseason uh, for COVID, quote unquote, reasons. I guess subsequently, we, now we know he does, just doesn't want to play at Florida State. Um, and the final piece of seminal news is that Amsaw Nazaldine, who is probably, if not the best, the second best player from the team coming back from last year on defense, has re- uh, returned to the depth chart. And we'll be ready to play for the Miami game. So of those, Gregs, which one would you say is the most notable uh, for FSU fans? Um, I'd say trying to pronounce Chris Thompson's name over Thompson. I always want to say Chris Thompson every time I see him uh, out there. But uh, <laughs> the, the idea that, uh, yeah, like I know this probably isn't the case, but you know how optics and perception are everything in this world. Norvell had a little bit of a rocky offseason with, you know, some of the things that went around with his players, you know, the Marvin Wilson incidents. And I think... It comes off, you know, maybe it's not the case, but it comes off as a 
undisciplined program, the fact that your head coach is the person who tests positive for COVID, right or wrong, I just think it's a bad look. It's something that, you know, other universities can definitely negatively recruit. The first thing I saw, thought of when I saw that was just like, man, if this was any other school, like we'd just be like laughing our asses off looking at that. So that was kind of discouraging. Okay, Domingo? Yeah, I didn't even think about it that way, but that's a really good point. <laughs> like, I, I had not, <laughs> I, like, I, I, I was trying to get the pulse and sentiment, like, around, you know, the country and, like, on Twitter and Reddit, and, like, I didn't really see that brought up. People, it's like they had the laugh, and it was mostly our rivals, like, Florida and Miami fans kind of right. dived at it, but there was a lot of, I don't know, you, I, it does come off a little undisciplined, but I think teams are kind of getting a pass. Like, this year is, like, you could catch it and like, you know, you could be super disciplined and still get it sometimes if you're not in a bubble situation. So can I saw, you know, the bubble works, but these teams aren't in a bubble. So dumb question. When we say 14 days, he's out. Like what does out like really mean? Like, can he be involved at all? 10 days, but can he be involved at all? Like during game time, like can he feed into any of the offensive minds like on the field remotely? Can he like watch tape and like call in and say Mm -hmm. stuff? Or is he like, no, in a bubble, you can't have any contact with the yeah, team whatsoever. I don't think he can do anything. No, the only he can during practice, he can do a live stream. They can live stream the the practices, but when it comes to the uh, game on hand, he, he can't be involved. Right. Well, this is the first. Do you think it's the last? Head coach. Head coach. Anyone of notable, yeah, of notice. Like, oh, not no way. The other head coach. No way. Catch it. Yeah. Other, no other, way. If not head coaches, other staff members of other you know schools. Like, there's no way. Um, yeah. Well, and Dan, the transition to touch on the the players transferring. Um, I don't know about you. You know, Norvell, that really popped out for me. But you know, the players transferring. I didn't really, you know, honestly bat an eye. I think we all kind of knew that. All of these guys were kind of one foot out the door, you know, DJ uh, especially. But the other two, you know, those are probably the least surprising people I saw, you know, thought of in my mind to transfer. So honestly, not a big idea. Yeah. Did we uh, did we talk about DJ on the last podcast? I can't remember. If I no, I, we didn't. So that, now, but, now's a good time. Let's bring him up. Yeah. DJ Matthews uh, looked promising in maybe 2018 as a punt returner. I Kind of, you know, he kind of had this weird thing where he just let the ball dribble to him. He'd get it, and then he kind of had a juke, juke move like he was playing on the basketball field. I think that made people have some sort of uh, relics to Peter Warwick that he can, you know, juke people out. I don't think he was the inherently fastest player, um, but he, he had a good juke move. But he was a constant uh, headache for the previous administration with Willie Taggart. He always kind of kind of a me player. And it symbolized some of that that me, me first kind of uh, attitude with Florida State recently. Um, so this offseason, you know, there, it came up again when he was diagnosed with COVID himself, DJ Matthews, and he had him and Warren Thompson going off that, that made uh, headlines. Um, I think, uh, surprisingly enough, they asked um, Coach Norbell about DJ Matthews during the uh, one of the press conferences, I think it was today or maybe yesterday, and when they asked him about DJ Matthews, he smirked yeah, he and said, yep, he's, he's gone. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't think he's missing uh, DJ at this point. Um, so, you know, well, it I is guess, what it is. I guess not shocking. So, I mean, I would venture to guess anytime a new head coach comes in, tons of guys transfer. 
Yeah, yeah. I think that's a pretty typical thing and probably exacerbated by this year. Like just the situation yep. makes it easier. Yeah, right. I think I think what Elliot brings it up best is that usually that first class that a coach had is considered a transition class, and so all the players from the the previous administration, a lot of them up and leave. So you know, it typically is what it is. It's not it's not great, and we we probably have two transition class. And if you want to think about it, maybe even this year could be a third one, and that's just not not great for. Uh, Recruiting bloodline. Can I ask a blood ship ratio tanking <laughs> as, as we speak? Exactly. Dumb, yep. dumb yep. question though. Like, why now? Like, I don't know. If I was DJ and I realized that the new regime didn't align with you know my ideology the way I thought, why wouldn't he have done it at the end of last year? Like, why wait till the season starts and transfer now? I, I don't have a great answer for that, other than to think that maybe he thought things were going to get better depending on how he defines it, maybe, you know, he, he thought that, that it was just going to be the same way as it was under Willie and that he liked it the way that was under Willie. And, you know, sometimes you, when you're, when you're that age, you're just not mature enough to make mature decisions at, at that point in time. You know, you just kind of go with the flow and then you don't really yeah. think about the future and it just kind of happens. Yeah. There's probably even personal decisions to like not pulling the plug late, like earlier, like, you know, who knows what he has tied to in Tallahassee. Like, you know, has to like, you know, tie up some loose ends and then peace out, give it a game or two, then peace out. Like, clearly that's probably what happened. Well, good luck. I don't think I'm going to lose any sleep over it, but yeah, good luck to him and the other guys who uh, transferred yeah. up. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so we'll, we'll switch to topics here. Domingo, we'll go to you. Give a quick recap of the FSU Georgia Tech game and, and what you most took away from that game. Mm. Well, it was a hard game to watch. Hard game to watch, yep. I, you really wanted to be excited from what you were watching. Uh, yet again, it feels like we have a team that can get like can get really hyped up on their own, you know, merit, can really come out to play, can really, you know, come out with that energy for a quarter and a half, maybe. And then just lose, like, in, in a broader sense is kind of what I watched. I was like, wow, this looks shockingly familiar. Okay, I was I, like, you know. Quick, quick question. Last three openers, which one's the most disappointing? Last uh, three? Last Virginia three. Tech. I think Virginia Tech, honestly. I, I, I think I, well, yeah, I it, it's Virginia Tech, yeah. Yeah, that, that I was. Think, I think I had the biggest hopes after Virginia Tech. I thought we were just going to bounce with Willie Taggart and, and just keep on coming back. But no. No, uh, that was that was really bad. That was that felt like did we we scored in that game or did we not? I don't remember. Did we and we got three, three. Yeah, felt like zero. But <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't, I don't remember. But yeah, the Georgia Tech game. It was, it was still disappointing. But there was shades of you know some better organization, guys lining up. It seemed like there was at least some you know areas where there was clearly some improvement, but um, obviously not enough for right now, for at least for the fan base watching three years in a row of seeing a home loss uh, as an opener. Like, that just sucks. I mean, no no other way to dice it. Like, it's not it's not really a good feeling, but... So your, your gut in the offseason, do you think Norvell saw something in Blackman or are the guys sitting behind him really that bad or that inexperienced that he had no choice to go with them? Like, uh, that, that's the biggest thing that stood out to me in this game. Maybe it was a locker room play. 
I don't know, maybe you're playing politics with the locker room and not trying to lose guys. Like you've had the dude that's been beaten down for four years and you're just going to bench him as a senior. Like, I don't know. I don't know if he wanted to send that message or send that idea to some of the players that he still had to get to buy in that are seniors or juniors. Um, so maybe it was a, a sense of playing a little bit of locker room politics, not wanting to disrespect a little bit, giving him a game to prove himself. And then, all right, well, this, this year is already year negative one, Woof. not even year zero. It's a negative one year. And we're just going to roll the dice with who we can you know, get to work. Um, but and it probably was lack of confidence in the guys behind him. Like, you know, we know Jordan Travis can run cool. Um, we know that what's his name busted his clavicle, right? A purdy scrimmage. Yep. Like, you know, so you couldn't get that immediate freshman impact to jump in and like, you know, throw, throw, you know, have him throw it around and see what he's got. Like, so you have to go with the surest thing that, you know, when you have tape on and it was Blackman. So I, I think this leads into a, a listener question, but basically getting getting honed in on, on James Blackman specifically. Uh, Liz from Miramar wants to know, why does James Blackman suck so bad? Wow. Domingo, you're on a roll. Go, you're on a roll, Domingo. Go for it. <laughs> oh, I got to answer this. Um, he, you know, he, he, we have to think about what he came into, what the, the cards he was dealt, right? Like, you have a player who maybe literally had no development in the span of four years, multiple offensive coordinators, multiple head coaches, multiple transitioning locker rooms that either didn't give a shit about each other, didn't have a team attitude. You know, by by game one, two, or three, like, you had a locker room falling apart, either rallying around you or not. Like, he's failed to show maturity on the sidelines. Like, for all this talk about leadership and practice, like, you don't right. see it on game day. But, you know, right. it, it, it kind of disappears and it fades and – and that's tough. Like he's maybe he was a serviceable quarterback if Jimbo gave a shit, you know, back in 2017 and actually, you know, cared for the guy and tried to develop him correctly. But he could have had maybe a Ponder-esque, EJ-esque kind of development out of him, but we just didn't get it. Um, and he just clearly he just doesn't have that it factor on his own. Well, th- this probably simplifies it maybe a little bit. Wasn't he a three-star out of high school? And if everything goes well, he probably shouldn't even start a game at Florida State. You know, Francois right. played yeah. super well. And up into the Alabama game, you probably think you have another full year of Francois. You know, things are rolling. Maybe you get someone coming Didn't in. Did we it's, have Sam Howell coming in? Like, yep, we had, yeah, Sam yeah, Howell, like Sam Howell was, would have been the replacement. He was replacement. supposed to be the guy. Yeah, so it's kind of similar to like, you know, Sean McGuire, but more of a long-term problem. Like Sean McGuire yeah. played for us and really he never should have even seen the field as Florida State. Could it just be as simple as this guy was a three-star in high school? You know, obviously, like, the ceiling on this guy is capped for whatever reason. Right. I don't, I don't, I, don't, I disagree that his, his ceiling was capped. I, I think that he, what he looked like is he had a, a lot of the potential given his overall size, the lankiness yeah. of him. So you think he can probably move very well. Um, he has a big arm. So you think, hey, if I can develop him from a short range and being able to process a defense perspective, you think you have a potential diamond in the rough. Um, I think it came out to be that you're right, Greg, that he had a low ceiling. But if you're a Jimbo, hey, you also have Bailey Hockman at the time. You have DeAndre Francois. You had Malik Henry. Um, DeAndre Johnson was there at some point. I mean, you're talking about a, a series of bad luck somewhat from the quarterback perspective. Um, it's just, it's just, uh, tough, you know, um, I think I had this question with Greg last week and I, I, uh, throw it over to you, Domingo. 
of the guys that he had, he had Jimbo, he had Walt Bell, he had Kyle um, Browns, and then Riles, uh, yeah. Mike Mike Norvell. He's had four OCs, more or less, in his four years. I guess not Brown, uh, not Norvell. What's his, Dillingham? Dillingham. Give or take, whatever you want to give him. Which do you think of those four best suits? His Blackman's play style. Uh, play style. Uh, his, his, which one would maximize his, his uh, potential? Probably Fisher. Yeah, I think that's what right. Like at the end of the day, like you had, you know, you've had two guys come in back to back that just didn't fit his play style, and they were trying to, you know, show a square into a round hole. Like, and Mm -hmm. then Dillingham. Jury's kind of out on Dillingham. Um, I know Norvell and Dillingham have kind of played, but we've only seen one game and very little practice. But you know, from what I've seen, it it you saw so much hesitation, like out there right just double clutching not making a decision the first read's gone and just scanning the defense and looking lost and you know so so then using that theory i I pose this question to you guys wouldn't it then in theory be kendall browse is the best uh for him meaning kendall browse has a kind of offense that says all right get the ball out quick and because it's so quick you have limited time to actually think through it as opposed to as things progress that's when things get worse for him. What do you think about that question? I mean, in theory, in theory, yes, but he didn't do that. He didn't get the ball out quickly. You know, like I agree yeah, that absolutely. often that offense probably helps you mitigate those problems with the quarterback. But he didn't take advantage. How many times did he pump fake last mm-hmm. year when the ball needed to come out in like two seconds? Mm-hmm. No, you're 100 percent right. Yeah, he saw those problems last year. That's true. So, in your opinion, real quick, we never had an off season how much of the Bryles offense do you think we're going to really be running this year? Like we all had an idea of what Norvell's system would Norvell? be, but you, you, no, no, I, I mean Bryles because we ran a lot of shotgun, you know, a lot of quick, you know, design outside number zone scheme for this game. And really, you know, we didn't emphasize the tight end a ton, you know, McDonald was on the field a little bit, but not as much as we thought we'd hear in the off season. So that leads me to believe that they're probably keeping a little bit of the offense from last year, just because they haven't, had time to install you know the new stuff yet yeah. so how long do you think it's going to be for us to move to this new offense can i can i give you a hot take go for it i think tight end is actually the weakest well second weakest behind blackman hmm. uh weakest starting position that that they have on the offense wow even worse than the o-line worse than the o-line worse than the o-line wow okay, okay. yeah so you're saying that the reason we didn't have it. so you're saying the reason we didn't have tight ends out there is there just there aren't any good ones to field. <laughs> I mean, you, you, you got a walk on, yeah. You got a you got a walk on, you got a converted quarterback yeah. to yeah. tight end, yeah. And then you got Cam McDonald, who is a terrible pass a blocker. I mean, I think they really wanted this guy Jordan Wilson from UCLA to to step up and 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 be the guy, but he's out for the year, so. It is what it is. So, all these negatives. Any bright spots you guys had from Tech? Mm. Nothing. Oh God, on it's offense, that bad. On offense, zero. Well, yeah, you know what? On offense, I'll give it to uh, the center, Maurice Smith. I think he graded out the highest out of all of our offensive linemen. Good for him. Um, That's great. I think De- Devonte Love Taylor played all right. Um, Fabian Johnson, I think, is probably your weak link on, on offensive line right now and probably played a little better than you expected. But on the flip end, I think Dante Lucas and, and uh, Washington both regressed. 
I saw them uh, getting getting pushed back by you know, uh, walk-ons from Georgia Tech. So yeah, that's that's, that's concerning when your two what was supposed to be your two best offensive linemen look worse this year than they did last year. So for me, it's like we kind of knew the O line was crap. We knew that Blackman wasn't that good. We knew the tight ends weren't that good. But for me, like. What I don't have an answer to is, you know, the receivers kind of played pish posh and the defensive line, which is supposed to be like, you know, the stalwarts of the defense, they disappeared as well. So what do you guys think of the receivers in the D line not really showing up in the game? Like, what do you guys attribute that to? The receivers seemed inexcusable. I don't know how they disappeared that game. That just, like, and wasn't, wasn't Georgia Tech down two defensive, like two defensive backs? Yeah, they were down a few guys. They're down a few guys. Like, how, how do you, how do you not have any like success against that? especially when you have size advantages in theory, athletic advantage in theory. Like, you know, Terry was supposed to pop off and no sighting of scary Terry, no sighting of any of those guys. Like, it's just a weird, it's such a strange, and and the case of the drops, like, you know, things hitting guys in the hands or at least being in their vicinity to make a play and just nothing. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to name two plays. One play, Terry uh, down the field, maybe 10 yards short of the end zone. Blackman throws it over his left shoulder. You guys remember that play? Mm-hmm. It was one-on-one mm-hmm. out there. Whose fault is that, Terry or Blackman? I'd say Terry. I mean, if, you're, Terry, if, you, yeah. if you want aspirations to go to the lead, yeah. you got to get up and get it. Yeah, yeah to get up and get it. What do you think, Domingo? Yeah, I would say it was Terry. Like, that makes a difference yeah. between, like, a college receiver and NFL receiver. If you're going to go to the league next year, you make that catch. Like, come on. So. Okay, Warren Thompson. Warren Thompson. Remember that one play that it was? It looked like he uh, caught the ball, but really he dropped it on the way down, and he tried to pull it off. Do you think that Warren Thompson going forward has a a? I don't I don't want to use the phrase that they use on the internet, but um, what kind of hands do I want to say? He, he has uh, not soft hands, but. He's got uh he's got bad hands. We'll, we'll we'll go with that kind of those kind of hands that he had. Are we concerned about Warren Thompson as a number two in terms of his ability to catch? Yes. <laughs> yeah. And in fact, and in an emphatic yes. I mean, let's face it, he's not a typical number two on Florida State, but I mean, he's yeah. he's big. He's got size. He's got a little bit of speed, but hands not having good hands, like God, that kills you. Like third third and eight dropping the ball right at the sticks like that kills kills the team you know what i mean like and and like i know there's nothing to quantify this but like you know there will be like a little shallow out to terry on like first and 10 in the first quarter and he drops it like you're kind of like oh that sucks but i feel like those drops like when you really really need that catch to move the chains and he doesn't pull it in like those are the ones that really hurt when I look at Warren Thompson, I think of Willie Halstead. I think of Jarman Fortson, a kind of a bigger guy that sh- that just you know he gets off the gets off the bus the bus and you're like, man, this guy is big for a wide receiver. He looks like a guy that should be able to dominate smaller guys and be able to play in traffic. I don't think he's afraid of going over the middle. I don't think that's his problem. He just yeah. can't catch. That, right. That's his problem. Yeah, and you know, it, do, it do, he's brought up so many bad memories. That's great. Well, and it's <laughs> so many repressed memories of Florida State wide receivers. Well, and it doesn't help yeah. that like Terry, who is our stud receiver, he has inconsistent drops too. You know, like that's yeah. that makes it tough as well. I mean, we've seen him make plays in space, so I guess that's why you know you give right. him that credit. Right. 
Yeah. So do you think going forward we go with we try to get Pookie Wilson and, and Keyshawn Helton more involved? Or do you keep throwing on Thompson because he's the only big wide receiver you have? I mean, Terry, Terry's tall, but he's also kind of lanky. I mean, I don't know mm-hmm. if he, if he, I see Terry more as a deep threat. I don't know if he's the kind of guy that goes over the middle and catches, you know, oh, right about and catches while he's about to get hit by the safe. The only guy that I see that has is is Warren Thompson, and he just can't, he just can't catch. I mean, how do you handle a situation like that? Maybe keep throwing him out there, try to give him some, you know, give me balls to, you know, raise that confidence. Like, oh, here's a little screen. Here's a reverse. Get him comfortable, maybe a little bit more on the field, maybe a little butt whooping when we play Jacksonville. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Put glue in his hands, tape, something like that. That might help. Stick him. All right. Might be a tough question for you guys. Don't expect you to have an answer to this. But Alec from Memphis, Tennessee wants to know, do you think we'll see Jordan Young this year? Jordan Young being the wide receiver after Pookie Wilson. Give, give our listeners some background. Jordan Young was kind of a, another three-star. I think he's from, from Georgia as well. He had some really interesting tape, came on late um, as a prospect for Florida State. Big guy, kind of in the mold of a Terry, uh, Tim, Tamarion Terry, um, but wasn't highly recruited. Um, I think his problem is also being able to catch – in space, um, sorry, not catch in space, catch in, in traffic. Um, do you do you see potentially uh, Jordan Young getting on the field? What year is year? he? What year is he? Yeah, what year is he? I, he's either a sophomore or a junior at this point. Um, I think he might be a junior. I mean, my my gut is uh, if there ever was an excuse for a youth movement and a free pass because of a COVID year, this is the year. So if he is, you know, a sophomore and you feel like he can contribute a ton next year or the year after yeah you got to roll them out there like in a weird way players like you know dj matthews and bolden leaving probably are a little bit of a godsend for norvell an excuse to play the younger guys like i'd say yes definitely yeah he's a sophomore yeah. um yeah redshirt sophomore yeah I, I agree with greg if that opportunity opens up and like you, you just gotta go youth movement or at least try out guys that just either haven't shown themselves or been outshined a little bit and just focus on them take on a project like even if it is a wide receiver, like nothing else is working. You gotta try something. Like Yeah. So six two, two ten, if we're looking at Tamara and Terry, six four, two ten. So they're about right around the same weight. Mm-hmm. Uh Jordan Young about two inches shorter. So we shall see, we shall see. So all right, let's go ahead and, and flip it over to the defensive side of the ball. I think offense, if you had told me that, you know, the offense was gonna look like crap. I think people would go, oh, yeah, I could see it. It could happen. You know, Blackman, he is what he is. The offensive line is not great. Maybe, you know, some of the players that, that might have been positive. But overall, you would have said offense. They, they stunk. Okay, I guess I could see it. Defense. What was your guys' impression of the defense? Honestly, kind of – I don't want to say kind of what we expected, but, God, it sucks to not have a pass rush. Like that – oh, man, yeah. it really hurts. That wasn't fun to watch. Like, you got a freshman quarterback. You'd imagine that we could do something against the kid. Like, another freshman quarterback comes into dope and just lights us up. Another one. Like, not, oh, not, so embarrassing. not great. But, and but yeah, to Greg's point, there's no pass rush. Like, how, how do you, how do you take, you know, how do you take that on? Especially on a mobile quarterback. Like, 
Well, and even games. and even more than that, like Wilson and Durden were at many times during the game, you know, commanding double teams, which means your ends were right. getting one on one almost the entire time. Like I, 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 to be fair, I didn't look the entire game, but I'm almost positive Georgia Tech never put an extra lineman or a tight end into block, so you were getting consistent one on one with your ends versus your tackles, and if your ends can't beat Georgia Tech's tackles one-on-one. Like, what does that say about the rest of the season? Yeah. This is bad stuff. And, and can I can I say that everybody likes to make fun of the offensive line? I think defensive ends starting this year, and it's only going to get worse next year. Yeah. I think we're going to have a huge, huge, huge problem at defensive end. And, and it doesn't look like anything's coming down the pipeline within recruiting. Well, and, so. and here's the thing. How do you solve for that? I mean – are our defensive backs good enough that we can blitz, you know, five or six guys every time and cover one-on-one on the outside? Like, do you guys want to see something like that? Like, if we can't get pressure with four, do you like the philosophy of bring five or bring six and our DBs are good enough to win one-on-one battles? That's the thing. I don't know if our DB, DBs are yeah. that great. I mean, Asante Samuel looked good. Two picks. Uh, this guy, Jerry Ann Jones from, from Mississippi State, woof. Did not look good. Yeah. Akeem Dent once again does not look good. Um, who are our safeties? Uh, I mean, people talk about Travis J. I mean, we're waiting to see. We got Raymond Woody out there. I mean, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Would I mean, be like disappeared too, like just another guy that you're expecting more out of, and you know, didn't, would, like, oh, didn't yeah. really impress I, on the stat line. Like, I mean, I, I can't believe I even forgot to mention him. Jaden Wood, Lars yeah. Woodby, just like Domingo said. I think he's like the biggest disappointment on this entire team. On this defense, like, at least. He's just, yeah. he's just in this no man's land where he's like not big enough to be a linebacker, not fast enough to be a safety. Yeah, you put him out there in coverage, and he just is like the kind of guy that, that's more of a hug kind of tackle as opposed to lays the wood. You know, mm-hmm. he's just a nice guy off the field, but what is he, Myron Roll? Like, just this <laughs> oh, kind of guy that just sits, yeah. sits in this, this universe the, the, the of, like, you got, you, you got, you got nothing. You just, you're just not, you know. And then final thought, and, and I'll bring it back to you guys. 2000 and, yeah, that was the 2008 recruiting class. Everybody was talking about this big FSU guy in California that's a five-star and Jimbo Fisher was not recruiting him. And then Willie goes ahead and goes out to California, meets up with him one time. Within that week, he commits to Florida State, and everybody's saying, what the hell was Jimbo doing? Do you guys yeah, think I, that Jimbo knew Jimbo knew what he was doing the whole time? Jimbo might have known what he was doing. Well, I, remember, I, remember, I remember that, too. That was such a crazy, like, oh, look at Tag. He went out and got this kid. And then, you know, yeah, Jimbo clearly evaluated him and knew. Well, it's funny. Like, being a good athlete just doesn't mean you're going to be great at football. Like, I remember, you know, my first year at FSU, the big recruit that came in was Greg Reed, five-star, yeah. uh, awesome person in high school. But, you know, if you're – Five eight, and you're asked to you know match up against receivers in the ACC, you're going to have a little bit of trouble. Like Woodby might have a lot of small composite skills, but if you're in a position where you can't, like you said, Dan, he's a tweener. You know, like if he can't yeah. really cover people in space, and he's not going to lay the wood as a linebacker, it's tough to keep him on the field. I mean, maybe you can try to do like that floating star position where he kind of just like sits, yeah. kind of like in the slot, and you know, like he can maybe do some things there. But you're right, like one-on-one versus players and you know blitzing like he doesn't seem like he has a real strong suit which is a shame because i think we were kind of depending on him this year 
Yeah, I know I was. I was expecting way more, honestly. Yeah, the only thing I can see is just like you said, Greg, if him in a, in a star position and have him covering either a tight end or you know how every team has like themselves a nice white uh, crossing. Uh, what do you what do you call it? Slot receiver. Little Julian Edelman. And, yeah, Edelman uh, or, or what's the Clemson uh, player? Uh, shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hunter Renfro. Yeah, and, Renfro. And Wes Welker, who yep, was the Wes original. Walker. Yeah. Uh, uh, not Christian. What's Ed McCaffrey? You know, kind of that kind of a player. Mm-hmm. I, I, you got to put it out. That's the only thing I can see. Would be doing at this point. I mean, you have him in on third downs and and, and taking on the. The slow kind of receiver, like, because I, I don't see, I, I just don't see with the guy. He, Ed, you know, he is what he is. Ed McCaffrey, father of Christian McCaffrey for our younger listeners out there. <laughs> yes, yes. In the 90s, he played for the Denver Broncos. He was, you know, kind of one of those glue guys for, for those 96, 97. Is that what the, the back-to-back years was? Yeah, rumors had it that uh, he made Elway happy on the golf course so he would be happy on the football field. So he is partly responsible for the Super Bowls. Wow. <laughs> nice. All right, so positives. So we talked about on, on offense some positives, positives from the defense. Any Anybody that comes to mind? I mean, Asante Samuel, but that's just yep. the two picks on the stat line. Like, right? Yeah. So, cool. We got you guys turnovers. I mean, I'll say it, uh, this is very intangible, but just discipline. Like, I, I mean, the team, yeah. the team looks better behaved, and hopefully that translates into something more. Yeah, you can yeah. see shades of better coaching, so mm-hmm. that's a good point. I don't think we're going to be seeing any uh, gifts or images of wide receivers lined up backwards or defensive linemen, you know, or defensive <laughs> players out of position. Which, you know, I still have friends sending me that, so that's cool. But uh, yeah. yeah, and then and but I still had a laugh. Remnants. I had complete remnants to the Willie Taggart era when Akeem Dent got burnt, and the wide receiver is about to get tackled by somebody. And he's trying to juke him, and Akeem Dent comes from behind and tackles him, and then gives his his you know yeah he, uh, he's like yeah I just yeah. I just got a nice tackle there, and I'm like oh my god once again you yep. can't you can't get rid of that, that stuff from some of these guys but no yeah Akeem Dent that guy's not good hopefully this guy Miko Dotson FAU transfer it turns out to be the guy because corners not 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 feeling not feeling Jerry and Jones. So, other than that, um, so before we get off the Georgia Tech FSU, you guys have any final thoughts that you want to talk about from that game? Is this Special a, teams? Is this a game, in your opinion, that is the uh, study it, learn from it, or the game that Norvell throws in the trash? Because you know sometimes when teams really look disappointing, it's kind of like move on to the next week. Like, what can be learned from this game? I guess that's the big thing. We lost. It sucked. It was terrible. But, like, what goes into this bye week? And what are the big things that we're trying to learn from this game that you think Norvell is trying to show the team? Or do we just chalk it up to, like, that sucked, move on? Yeah, Matt, I, I don't know. I mean, I would have said Daniel, yeah. Dan, Dan, Dan was pointing out special teams, you know, being pretty good. There was yeah. some there was some hidden yardage, right? That and that we some hidden yardage, yeah. That we got some well, good some block, good block three kicks, yeah. Block, you know, block three kicks. Cool. Missed the one that counted, but that's okay. And then, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but but then again, I I just saw you know we saw Georgia Tech get a kick block over the weekend by UCF, and I was like, oh, yeah. it, it wasn't us. I don't know if that if it was us. It, yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry. There, there's 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 little to to take away from that. So yeah. It is what it is. All right, listener question. 
that kind of came up because of Domingo. Sybil in Orlando wants to know hmm. the transitive property. Oh, if FSU wins. lost to Georgia Tech Don't, uh, and Georgia Tech beat UCF, <laughs> does that mean UCF is better than Florida State? I've been getting a lot of crap at work and in Orlando <laughs> the last couple days already from coworkers and other people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't. I don't know. I'm. A, I'm gonna have give, give no answer to that. I know McKinsey Milton felt some type of way and made some comments yeah. on Saturday post game about being the best team in Florida, uh, which may you know piss off some of our Gator brothers and sisters, but. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I don't know what this little usurper is thinking lately, um, but they're, they're feeling pretty good about themselves. For neutral uh, field right now, UCF, Florida State. I'm giving Florida State four points against UCF. Who are you taking? Oh, UCF. You're UCF. taking UCF. Yeah, UCF. I think yeah. UCF beats Florida State by at least 10. Yeah. Well, there you go. There's your answer. <laughs> the transitive property wins again. Damn it. Yeah. Transitive property. Tran- transitive yeah. championship, you know, same thing, right? So what do you guys want to do? You want to talk next uh, Florida State, Miami, or you want to keep going down the mail bo- uh, mailbag? Well, I guess just moving into that, like, how do you think between the Georgia – like, I know you said we can't learn anything from the Georgia Tech game, but, like, we have a bye week this early in the season before our rival. Like, what do you think they're working on right now? Do you think there's any lineup changes? Do you Like, are we going to see the same team against Miami? Like, what do you think has been going on these last few days? All right, actually, can I sneak in a question that's somewhat related to your stuff? Go for it. Let's talk about James Blackman and his backup. Jordan mm-hmm. Travis. What is going on with Jordan Travis? I have a theory. I haven't heard it explicitly said, but I want to get your guys' thoughts before I, I, I throw out my theory. I want to see him throw. Let's, let's yeah. start there, you yeah. know? Let's start, let's start there at least. We've seen him run. Yep. No, we know he can, yep. he, he can scamper. So that's cool. All right, how about how about this for a theory? Jordan Travis cannot throw the ball more than 10 yards. Jesus Christ. Something happened. He's got <laughs> neurological issues or something. Noodle arms? He is not able to throw the ball more than 10 yards. It would, are you entertaining that thought? Do you think that, that is possible? That, I don't know if that – Not buying it? I, anything buying is possible, but no, I'm, I'm, I'm selling I'm that. It. Yeah, that, that – All right, you're selling it. it. He had one pass. For the game, you guys remember that one pass? As weird as it is, I don't remember that pass. I don't. <laughs> All right, Jordan Travis rolls out left on a design run to a tight end. Uh, sorry, design pass to a tight end that is going left. Right, he's running towards a guy five yards in front of him. Right, he's got Jordan Travis. Uh, he's got uh, Cam McDonald mm-hmm. running across the field, tight end, and he manages to throw the ball behind him and in the dirt. Mm. on a five-yard pass and i have to wonder to myself does he and then you look back at the spring game from 20 what is it, 2019 yeah and you see him from last year they don't seem to want to let him throw the ball why is that i this is, does not make this for good not- podcast material but i do not have an answer for that <laughs> <laughs> i don't either i mean that's a little concerning in that context. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I I I don't have an answer for that evidence, either. There's some good evidence, though. But there's there's some there's some conspiracy out there, man. Oh he, I, you would think that if he was able to throw the ball forty yards, he'd be our starting quarterback right now. Can we I get mean, our- Alex Hornibrook? Alex Hornibrook last year couldn't throw thirty yards, Jesus, and I he still he managed to. 
Yeah. yeah. He still managed to start a couple of games. Mm-hmm. I mean, and Jordan Travis, with his legs, was able to do something throwing the ball, he would be starting at this would, point, yeah. in my opinion. Can we get our sideline reporters in Miami to see the warm-ups? We need confirmation. Can Jordan Travis throw the football? <laughs> yeah, just, just all eyes on Jordan Travis. Will somebody please prove that he can throw the yeah. ball? Yeah. yeah. Yikes. Take him to the Pike so, House. See if he looks at that yeah. roof and wants to bomb it. If he doesn't, then we know. Yeah, at this point, Greg, it, it, what kind of adjustments you had? You had to get the ball out of James James Blackman's hands. I don't know, getting Jordan Travis in there, having uh, some sort of design play where Travis J comes in and plays quarterback. Oh, I really don't yeah. know, man. There's got to be something that gets the ball out of James Blackman's hand because that, I mean, you agree or disagree, James Blackman is the worst quarterback in Florida State history. I mean, are we talking like full-time starters, like – I would argue yeah, Horny Brook. starter. I would argue Horny Brook was worse last year. That's my opinion. Mm-hmm. You, so you took Blackman over Horny Brook. I would take Blackman over Horny Brook. Okay. All right. But I can accept. I can he accept the, the argument. Second worst quarterback. In <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I totally get your point, man. Like we can't like the, the this is the crappiest thing about everything, and we're dancing around this. We can't win if he's our starting quarterback like that. Can we just like say that that's the fact? Like. We've passed the we've passed the node you know the point of no return like we cannot win with James Blackman as our quarterback that's a fact I'm sorry yeah. he, he is what he is Sean McGuire or James Blackman give me McGuire honestly Sean McGuire yeah Sean McGuire I take McGuire yeah. I take McGuire in a, in a heartbeat I see that's not even Snag. a competition yeah totally I I, I genuinely cannot I, I take Drew Weatherford like I know you guys weren't weren't wow. big uh, FSU fans back then I would take Drew Weatherford. Like, I cannot legitimately think of a quarterback that was – well, okay, I got one. The guy, the le- the lefty. Oh, my the God. Lefty. No, not, no, not the lefty. Uh, he was number 16. Remember, he came in for McGuire against Houston. Hawkman? Uh, and a bowl game. Oh, no, no, huh? no. Cosentino? No, not Hawkman. Huh? Cosentino? Cosentino. Cosentino. Yes. Cosentino. Cosentino. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. He might be worse than Blackman. Right. He may, or I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but he may be worse than Black. Time machine, but, time machine. Would Norvell go back and take Sims over Purdy and uh, Rotomaker? Oh no! Uh, if he knows, he would take Sims over Rotomaker. He would not take uh, Sims over Purdy. I think, um, but I, I think that Sims would have started if he was on this roster. He would have started. Yeah. I think so. I mean, Rotomaker, I think himself is a project, but if you put, if you gave Rotomaker and Blackman the same amount of years, I think Rotomaker would be a starter. And it's not even that, that Blackman has any inherent physical attributes. It's all up here, man. Mm-hmm. At this point, he has a, an inability to process the, the defense, inability to get the ball out of his hands, inability, he, he freaks out. You know, like Domingo said, he's, he he's talks all this junk about, you know, and, and, and I wonder to myself, have Taggart and Norvell seen stuff in practice? Is he a di- completely different player in practice? He'd be like a Jekyll and Hyde. Like, I don't, I don't get yeah. it. I really don't get that, it. That the second things turn bad, he just goes back to bad habits. Yeah. He, he, I mean, he like shells up and pouts. Like the dude just... And he starts pouting. Yeah, yeah man. Just... It's like, what? What's going on? 
Yeah. I mean, you saw on the sideline, and we'll, we'll stop, we'll still bag it on the guy after this final thought. <laughs> you saw on the sidelines that image of him with Tamari and Terry, and he's trying to, like, yep. trying yep. to talk to Terry, awesome. and Terry had, did not want to listen. He was just, just, like, completely no. zoned out, like, do not talk to me. That was, yeah, that was bad. Yeah. yeah. Looks like you want, you want to say something, Greg? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> You're good. He's just going <laughs> to let it ride. All right. So next topic here, we'll talk about FSU Miami quickly. Uh, give you guys, the listeners, some background. Look out on, on Miami on the offensive side of the ball. They got transfer from Houston, Derek King, quarterback. He is currently uh, broke the record for quarterbacks in terms of having a rushing touchdown and a passing touchdown. I think he's at 17 straight games of that. Oh, damn. Um, yep. You look at you look at them, you look at their running backs. They got Cameron Harris, who is a returning starter, but then they have a couple of uh, running back freshmen, one of which they actually stole from us on, on signing day, uh, Jalen Knight. He went for 75 yards against uh, Louisville. And then, uh, gosh, I'm, I'm blanking on the other guy's name. Chaney. But he himself is another, huh? Chaney. Chaney, correct. Yep. Yep. So you got Chaney um, going himself. So it's like they got, they look like they got themselves a nice running back core going on. Um, and of course, they have future, in my opinion, probably first-round pick Brevin Jordan uh, at tight end. So it looks like their offense might have rebounded. On the flip end, their offensive line is not not the best, and I think their wide receivers have been a little bit of a disappointment thus far through this year. Wow. I think uh, Mike Harley, their their uh, slot receiver, who's I think he's a senior at this point. He seems like he's been there forever. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just you know doing his thing currently. So uh, sorry, he's not having a great season, uh, coming in a little bit under expectations. So I think the wide receivers have been a little bit down, but. Overall, I think what did they put up? Forty-seven on on yeah. on uh, Louisville. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looks like good production all around. Honestly, yeah. So what, what do you guys think of, of Miami's offense from what you've seen? I I think it is much better than ours, and uh, the uh, <laughs> the not having the good receivers. Yeah, I'm I'm sure that's probably a little disconcerting for them. But you just mentioned it right there, like. Jordan and those running backs together and Derek King, who honestly is probably the best quarterback Miami's had in probably what close to 10 years. Can I say 10 years? Is that fair for me to say? Um, Best quarterback they've had in 10 years. Oh yeah, yeah, he's the best yeah, yeah. they've had in the last twenty years. Yep. Oh, twenty. All right, there we go. So sure. like, that's that's a huge advantage. Since Ken like, Dorsey, I sit think down, I Dorsey. Think he's gonna be the best one. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, uh, right. since Ken Dorsey. Yeah. So the wide receiver is definitely yeah. That's you know they maybe they don't have the best names in the room, but like give me the good quarterback, the running backs, and the tight end any day of the week. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So a question that ties in here, Jay from the three hundred five, and he specifically says he's from the three hundred five. Wants to know, Brevin Jordan, Jordan, over under 1.5 touchdowns. I'm only going to answer if this guy went to the U. Did he actually go to the U or is he just yeah, making right. that up? Yeah, well, no, that's no, a good clapback, no. Greg. Oh, man. Jay is a Broward College FIU guy. I'll still answer it. Thank you for being honest. I appreciate that. Uh, one and a half is <laughs> So it's funny. One and a half, like that's a good number. I'll just say under. Uh, Miami seems to spread it around. Yeah. He's a beast, absolutely. But give me under just because 
Miami seems to be a team, at least in these first two games, they seem to spread it around a little bit, you know, a little bit of running, you know, Derek King will run the ball quite a bit. And then, you know, seems like, you know, in the receiving chart, they do pass it to a bunch of different guys. So Jordan could go off, but I'll, I'll take under, he gets one touchdown. Yeah, that was, that was four guys with a touchdown on their, five guys with a touchdown on their offense. So they definitely spread it around, Greg. So that's, that, but that's a lot of weapons. That's guys scoring. Um, I mean, even their their backup tight end Mallory is better than our our starting tight end. I mean, look at look at Miami over the last few years, man, or last twenty years. Greg Olson, um, Kellen Winslow, Shockey, Shockey, yeah, Jeremy Shockey. I keep yeah, trying I to like, think to myself who was the guy from the two thousand. <laughs> I couldn't get the, the biggest name. Shockey, <laughs> David Najuko for for who's with the Cleveland Browns right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, this guy Brevin Jordan, I mean, they just seem to constantly at tight ends. It just doesn't know. stop. Just doesn't stop. So, stop. so, so. question. Um, Lashley now coming in, like that was that clearly like the missing piece? Like this offense is totally different than what it was last year. Like you know, Derek King is you know I feel like Miami the last what ten years or so has had just you know a typical drop back passing quarterback. Like King just brings like a. A totally different dimension like it's funny Manny Diaz is always a defensive guy but this team has what they've put up 40 like you said Dan 47 in the last game like it's a scary offense not gonna lie yeah yeah over uh, kicker. over they got a kicker yeah see now they, they got the memes about the tatted, I, the tatted I know the tatted kicker, kicker counter yeah oh man so they're that. so they're over under for points is 35 and a half against the Knolls what are you taking Thirty five and a half. Thirty five. No, for yeah, just Miami. Just Miami. Thirty five and a half. Uh, I, man, I want to take the under, but ugh. let me let me see. If, if I'm if pausing. When was the last time Miami scored over over thirty five? That's yeah. When was the last time they scored over thirty five against us? Two thousand and eight. They know they did it. But let's see. Hold on. Last time. Last game was was 27, 28, 24, 20, 29. Let's see, 2013. Oh, wait, the Florida State put up 41. Yeah. Miami. Yeah, so Miami put up 39, 2008. That was the last time that Miami put up more than 35, Greg. So, and then before that was 2007 with 37. So, looks like, sorry, no, Miami put up 38 in 2009. So, mm-hmm. First time didn't happen last decade. I guess it's a new decade. So yeah, I don't know. Even probably over. I mean, I could see us rolling over. Honestly, yeah, I, I could see us that. rolling over to like a Clemson style. Just let's talk about Miami's defense here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not willing to commit to, to one way or the other on that one. Go for I'm it. I'm not feeling too good. Push, push, push. push. <laughs> Miami's defense, they're highlighted by their strong defensive line. Mm -hmm. They had uh, transfers in Roche and Phillips. Roche from Temple, who led the NCAA in in, uh, sacks last year, Um, as well as Phillips, who came over from UCLA, who has been hampered by by injuries, but was a great uh, prospect coming out of high school. I want to say he was a five-star, maybe a a low four or high four-star, as well as Silvera, on the defensive line, FSU, you know, FSU's probably strength on the defensive line is at the D tackle with Wilson, Durden, Cooper, uh, love it. But Miami themselves have a, a good defensive tackle in, in Silvera. 
Um, so it looks like Miami's defensive line is also a strong suit, as well as they got Gervin Hall at safety, Al Blades Jr. at a cornerback, who is the son of Al Blades, former Miami cornerback. Uh, and Gervin Hall at safety, I may have mentioned that. And then McLeod is back for, what is it, year seven, year eight at, at Miami. <laughs> yeah, Zach McLeod. Guy, yeah, wow. You would think he'd be done by now, but but he's he's back for his uh, final go-around. Actually, he might be able to play next year because the, the NCAA oh, yeah, is talking got... about giving everybody eligibility another year. for this year. So let's go, he might let's be back Zach. for another year. We'll see. <laughs> Zach McLeod. Um any thoughts on, on Miami's defense, guys, based on what you've seen so far? I mean, thank God we have great tight ends that can help out the O-line to stop those uh, defensive ends. Oh, wait, no, we don't have that. We're going to get mauled. It's terrible. Yeah, yeah it's going it's it's, it's to be pretty, pretty nasty. And if Blackman's trotted out there double-clutching and everything and not deciding, taking uh-huh. plays, that's gonna, that could be disastrous. I mean, um, I guess the positive is they don't have the trio of linebackers they seem to have had the last two or three years that true. you know killed us. But, yeah. The combination of our O line and the D line, I I'm gonna start there for almost every matchup. Like Miami's got skill probably in all, every level of the defense, but you know a pretty stout D line. I mean, you saw what Georgia Tech's damage defensive line did to us. So right, yeah, there you go. They're gonna they're gonna feast, feast probably. Let's. Uh, I'm gonna pray for rain. Pray for, pray for rain. Pray, pray, pray for rain. Just a what about praying for uh, contact tracing? Yeah, what about hey, contact tracing? <laughs> you know, we just have to move the game back to another another week. Give us some more time. Now, give, give us some more time. Currently constructed, name all the units that Florida State has that you would say is superior to Miami's units. Like, is there any unit that we have that is better than Miami's unit? For sure. Mm. Now, do you consider defensive line as one big unit, or do you think of you split it? Like, can you say defensive end and defensive tackle, or is that let's call it one cohesive thing? So, O line, D line is one cohesive okay. thing. Is there any unit that we have that is superior to Miami right now? Uh, Najardine's coming back? Maybe, maybe wide receiver because we got yeah. Terry and, and they don't. Right. I think they have a better defensive line because if you have to, if you include uh, Roche, Phillips, and, and Silvera as a better defensive line as opposed to just we have Wilson and then Cooper, Durden, kind of like, you know. Yeah. I, I, I don't think they make up for our lack of defensive end. Um, the Bernardes linebacker, safety, corner. I guess you could say Samuel is better than than Blades, but I think Jones is such a weakness on our on our cornerback uh, that I don't even know who their second cornerback is. But but they're, they're probably better than us collectively at cornerback. Yeah, I mean, can you think of anything? I mean, I think, but all of us probably in our mind, none of us said it, but I think, or maybe Domingo, you said it. We all kind of probably had wide receivers in our mind, but after last week, like, how yeah, can you even say that for sure? No, you can't. I mean, vote, vote of no confidence. <laughs> and, and I guess that leads me to the point afterwards. Like, you know, let's say we did have a unit. We could say, all right, this is the mismatch we can win. You 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 feed into that, and that's the roadmap for a potential upset. But, like, if there's nothing, like, we can't hang our hat on the running game. We can't hang our hat on, like, a superior pass rush or even, like, DBs locking down their receivers. So, if we're all thinking wide receivers in our head, that's probably the only way we can pull the upset, right? Like Terry just has to turn back into the player that we know he is. Thompson's got to hold on to the balls and we, and we win those one-on-one battles. Like 
I don't think there's any other way besides a massive turnover margin that we could probably win the game. Just win hidden yards. Special teams. Just, come, just, just, just win hidden yards and make the game sloppy and messy. That's it. It's easy. No problem. Yeah. Give us a short field and, and give them uh, make them fight for a yard. Yeah, we we need Brad Kaya on their team. We'll get a few turnovers. That probably would have helped <laughs> yeah. out a little. Brad Kaya. Brad Kaya. <laughs> Damn, I totally forgot about the guy. I was trying to think of like between Morris and uh rosier i was trying to think to myself who who was between these guys you know like and then i totally forgot about brad can i I say something this is going to sound sacrilegious i can pull it out afterwards uh if you guys want would you trade our coaching staff for miami's right now everyone no no yeah i I wouldn't that's a hard no really i I don't I, i don't think that i don't think i think lashley is good i think diaz is good, but I don't think Diaz is an elite coach. I think Norvell could be an elite coach. Yeah, and I think what I will say though is, is Miami, without a doubt, has won. Maybe other than Oklahoma, has won the transfer portal. I mean, yeah. being able to transfer in Phillips, being able to transfer in Roche, being able to transfer in King, the guy they got on the offensive line. I mean, they, their kicker from FIU. Yeah. yeah. I mean. Who, who's been the best transfer that we picked up? Picked up. Is it Love it? Is it Love Taylor? To be determined, Orson? I guess. The, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. To be, to I think I think Corbin. We didn't talk much about our running Corbin, backs. Our running true. backs look slow. I think that Webb, our JUCO player, actually looks better than Corbin thus far. One game, I know, but I don't think Corbin looked great by any means. Man, I mean, you gotta. I mean, that's something you have to factor in. Like, I think unquestionably, our coaching staff. You know, give it time, give it time. Long run, they're probably going to be the better. You know, X's and O's guys on the field. It's just like what you said, Dan. Like Miami, they're starting to take care of the state a little bit more in recruiting and bringing those transfers in. I mean, that counts for something, I guess. You know. Yeah. Damn. Damn. Dark days. All right, let's get into get into some final listener questions. All right, we got Jimmy from Charlotte. He wants to know, do you guys think there is cause for concern with players entering the transfer portal in the last couple of weeks? Uh, I'll say I'll say no. Kind of what I echoed on a little bit before. New regime, players are going to transfer. I'm not too concerned. Yeah, it's a lot of factors, like Greg said, and then COVID on top of everything. Like uh, everything's fair game right now, and you're not just seeing it at FSU. You're seeing it around the country. Got it. All right. Colleen from Charlotte. Huh. Interesting. Two, two different uh, people we got from Charlotte here. Uh, she wants to know, we knew the offense would be a weak point this season, but the defense just looked weak against Georgia Tech. Do you guys think this is a result of learning a new sca- scheme or it's just overall weakness and strength and conditioning? Uh, uh, I, I'm gonna say other, so I'll let Domingo. I'll defer to Domingo first, and then I'll tell you what I think. I don't think it'd be strength and conditioning. I think we probably saw or we think. Well, it's better. It should be a better support staff, but they didn't get as much time. Right? We got how many summer practices and strength and conditioning cut out? How many, you know, two days cut out? How much of that in the off season that we virtually didn't have? So that maybe it could. There's some truth to that, but. Uh, yeah, maybe. I, I don't know. Just some kind of softness. That's a good point. But I can't really point to one thing. I mean, can I? Yeah. Can I? Can I mean, can, can I? Can I? Sorry. Go for it. No, Dan, you got it. Here. Go for it. 
we're not the only ones that right. had this strength and conditioning. Everybody in the entire country right. went through the same exact lack of strength and conditioning. Georgia Tech would have had the same exact problem with strength and conditioning. So in theory, as opposed to, I think, strength and conditioning can actually make a worse player look better if they're winning in the strength and conditioning. It's a little bit more based pure on talent right. and will at that point if you're not as strong as you could be. Does that make sense? So yeah. I, I don't think it's a strength and conditioning thing. I yeah. think it's A, learning a new scheme, but it's B, biggest thing is the mentality. There's just some sort of, just, I hate to say it other than loser blood on, on this defense that they're not attacking, dude. I mean, yeah. I saw Jerry and Jones, again, go, and he's a Mississippi State guy, so I don't know if it's, it's, it's a systemic thing, but dude's letting, letting uh, the slot receiver run right across the field. He's not jamming him at the at the uh, line of scrimmage, and he's just trailing the guy. I mean, yeah. of course they're going to get some easy yards doing that kind of stuff. If you're not jamming him at the line of scrimmage, I mean, hopefully, you know, if, if you're if you're playing off him like that, that says to me that Jerry and Jones knows that the guy is faster than him, and he doesn't want to get burned deep. Right, and that's concerning. I mean, sorry, I cut you off. There. No, no, no. I mean, you guys hit on a lot of points. Thank God, none of the ones I was going to say. So we can be very complete here. It goes back to like O line. If you can't block it up, block it up on the O line, you're not going to move the ball on the defense. If you're not going to get a pass rush, you're going to lose. Like, I'm sorry, yeah, average, average ass quarterbacks can look spectacular if they are standing upright and can just find the open man you know like right. I, I, that like I, I feel like it sounds so stupid to be so simple but like even just like a modicum of a pass rush would make things 10 15 yep. 30 times better than what it is yeah there's there's problems all over the place but like god that that is like the one thing on the defense that just like gripes me like you you can't get any pressure at all and like whatever your best player is marvin wilson like you can take him out you can double him that's not a problem if your ends aren't beating tackles one-on-one it sucks and like what you said dan like our dbs you know maybe they have a good high school pedigree but like they haven't shown at all that they can lock up guys one-on-one in coverage and if you can't do that and you can't generate a pass rush it kind of like just it feeds into each other you know it's like a vicious cycle and something that's going to be tough to break mm-hmm. all right next question here from arion in orlando he wants to know how many turnovers for fsu against miami how many we force or how many how many giveaways we have yeah how many fall into our hands as opposed to right. uh let's go with that whether we you know fumble or interception or whatever whether it's Let's not go with the word force. We actually just achieve. Just, just capitalize. All right. Um, yeah. Whatever, whatever is given to us. Give me, yeah. give me two. Yeah. Uh, I think two is good. Two. Okay. Yeah. All right. And you guys want to name names, or are you just gonna just gonna go with two? So the turnovers that we get. Um, a fumble recovery. A a, a a quarterback running back exchange problem mm-hmm. between King and his back. Right. Something we don't cause at all, but the ball just happens to fall into our hands. <laughs> yeah, just just a just a Ty Jones situation, you know, a clipping oh, of the ball. Man. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, and who recovers it? Janarius Robinson? Give me a little Corey Dirt and he just falls straight Corey on top Durden. of it. <laughs> Corey Dirt. Just, just, just much right mine. There. <laughs> okay. All right. And the other one, I guess, an interception. Got it. Yeah. Uh, Domingo, number? Uh, no, I'm going to agree with Greg. Two. 
Okay. Yeah, same thing. But but I want I want to give Asante Samuel another pick. So sure, throw throw him throw him. Nice. He, he gets the pick. Nice. Let's get that going at least some point. Just just get him uh, just racking up all the interceptions. Yeah, he's just, he's that just guy. Pecking, like we had that, that guy from from Virginia that was that everybody was like, oh man, this guy's such an interception hog. But he was like always getting burnt. But yeah. for whatever it is, he was like one of the most lucky lucky guys. He's always there, right was. place, right time. Just right place, right time. Just I think yes. Samuels gets another one. Just right place, oh, tip pass. Right place, right time. But like, damn. Well, that got- right, final question of the night. Go for it. From uh, Jesse in Atlanta, Georgia. Jesse wants to know: Mike Norville has came in here, you know. It looked after 2017 that, hey, maybe Willie will come in and, and fix everything. We had high hopes. He said all the right things. Five and seven. Then we came in last year. We ended up being six and seven. And so he wants to know, with this being another year of probably everybody can chalk it up to COVID, probably not going to be able to get out on the recruiting trail. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they stopped all in-home uh, recruiting um, yeah. and in-home recruiting this year. Zoom so everything has to be by Zoom or the guy's got to come out to campus. And there is no official visits, but they can pay for their own tickets to get on into the stadium. And at that point, they're allowed to come onto the field, yada, 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 whatever. <laughs> Given all of these things that are mounting one on the other, we're bleeding recruits, uh, bleeding talent mm-hmm. year over year. He ultimately wants to know how much longer till we fix this train. Oh man, I already thought of this too. Uh, I'm gonna put it at wait, real, real, real quick, Domingo. Before you answer, can we define what fix means first, just so I know? Yeah, that, that's a good point. Uh, I define right. fixed as like consistently in the eight to ten win range for where we're. Yeah, I'll we go are. with eight and four. Yeah, like, eight, yeah. eight and can't, four can't is wins consistently and right. All right. Um, Sorry. Go ahead. I say I say ah. by twenty three the latest. We're hitting. 23 the latest. Okay, yeah. so that's that's today's 20, this year's 20, so then that's mm-hmm. three more years. <laughs> yep. At, at that point, Joe Biden may or may not be running for re-election at that point. He may or may not be alive at that point. True. Yeah, oh, we'll point. see. We'll see. <laughs> Jeez. All right, yeah, we'll be, I would we'll, say 23, yeah. yeah. 23 the latest. 23 the latest. All right, what do you say, Greg? If we're defining a turnaround slash success as eight and four, if that's what our parameters are, I say next year. I think – I think – wins next year. I think we – look at the schedule right now. I, I, I think we can hit the transfer <laughs> you're, portal. You're well, you're well aware our first game is against either – is Georgia or LSU. I can't remember which of the LSU, two. LSU, I think. Yep, I, I am – I'm. And told. do we have Notre Dame too? Uh, hold on. Let's let's let's. Uh... You're gonna have potentially Georgia, Georgia or LSU. May or may not have. It, Notre it is. Dame. We're, we got Notre Dame at home. Notre Dame. We got Jacksonville State, UMass, Gators, and then we got uh, yeah the normal schedule outside of that. But we are at Clemson. We are uh, at what? UNC, which will be on year three of Sam Howell, right? I believe, yeah. or, or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, um, you got it right. Yeah, I, you know, Louisville's getting better. Still got Miami. I don't know. You know what? I'll, I'll still go out with it. I, I think. You still uh, think next year? Yeah, the schedule is obviously the biggest. Right. Well, let me rephrase it. There are a lot of different things out there that can stop us from getting back to eight and four mm-hmm. and above that, but. 
I don't know, man. Like, yeah, things are looking bad right now, but I don't know. Like, maybe I, I we have to have an entire other podcast to talk about something like this. But, like, I think we can get some of these, you know, like, Norvell has been known as this, like, person who can, you know, turn things around. He does have a, you know, a track record of taking teams that are, you know, pedestrian, bringing it back up. I don't know, like, these dark days, it's Florida State, you know what I mean? Like, I understand, like, we're we're in the dog shit, we're in the dog pound right now, but, like, I don't know, Florida State just seems like one of those teams, like, we can walk to seven or eight wins without a problem, you know? And I feel like he's going to be able to get some players for next year. Like, we're already showing that there's a lot of guys right now that can't play. I just think he's going to get some guys for next year. I'm totally okay coming on here next year when we're 0-4, and you can tell me I'm totally wrong, but I'll be the contrarian, <laughs> and I think we can get to eight what wins next there? year. I think we can get to eight wins next year. Sorry, 2022 is the first year of LSU. Yeah, that's LSU. I just looked it up, too. Um, I mean, I said at the latest, but I do think it, like, 22-23 seems more likely than you know, the, the next year. I don't, I don't know if it's going to happen. See, see, see I'll, I'll, I'll flip this in a way. I think we can easily get back to an eight and four type of range. I wouldn't be shocked if we're not even in the playoffs for, you know, the college football playoffs. Let's say it stays at four teams. That's not going to happen in the 2020s. I would, I'd feel more comfortable mm-hmm. saying that FSU will not, uh, in a very short amount of time, we were, we're not going to return to a top five, top, seven program in the country i think those days are behind us but i definitely think we can get to eight and nine eight nine wins that's not a problem okay bold yeah pretty bold for the 2020s on not an appearance i think i think this is kind of a little bit of a shot or a dig i think we've been relegated to miami status to be honest with you i think we're going to be that team i think i i think we're going to be that team that's just i think we're just going to be that i was being mean i think we're just going to be that team uh, like you guys tell me if i'm wrong we're going to probably be winning seven eight maybe if we're lucky nine games but it would be a shock if we are sniffing the national championship unless something drastic changes well we got clemson our division every year gotta play miami every year at the Gators every year, so, you know there's plenty of, of hurdles there. Those those that's your three losses every year. If we're still sticking around nine wins, I mean, I guess we say that, um, but I mean, like, look at the Gators in twenty what fourteen twenty fifteen. They're saying the same thing. We have to play Georgia every year. We have to play the Knolls every year. Like we're gonna get our head kicked in all the time. And look where they are now. You know what I mean? Like five years mm-hmm. later, they're on top of the mountain. They went four and eight one year with two guys blocking each other against Georgia Southern. Georgia Southern doesn't complete a pass and beats them in the swamp as a division two school. You know what I mean? Like shit teams go down. I would not be shocked if, I mean, I don't know. Like I I, I put at least at one appearance, one appearance in the playoff this decade, at least. You know what though? I I was, I was thinking about Florida specifically because Dan Mullen came in first year and they, they turned it around. I think they were either eight and four, nine and three their first year. Like so they were able to turn around, and I, and I I didn't understand how that was possible, given that McElwain was a usual like somewhere around twelve in recruiting rankings, um, and we're we're pushing into the twenties now. We're not even we're not even mm-hmm. t- a tens program anymore. But what I did notice with Florida is is polite, Pirine, Zuniga, uh, Trask. They had a, a great run of being able to identify three stars that turned out to be really good contributors to them. And that's something I think we've completely blotched. Not only are our five stars, not, not, but at least our five stars can start 
Right. More stars are starting. Our three stars have been horrendous so this for is... the last, since probably about maybe 2014, probably. You just, we have not been able to identify guys like the ones I just mentioned for Florida that have been able to blossom. Um, the last poor, poor big one I can think of, I think there's been a poor talent evaluation. I think that I theorized that Jimbo was recruiting kids. I'm telling them that you come here, you're going to the NFL. And then when they came in and they didn't play or they didn't see that success, you know, getting blown out in a couple of games under Kelly, those kind of guys that, that we were trying to attract are the kind of players that aren't thinking of the team. They're thinking about going to the league. That's my theory. Right. Well, theory. yeah, I mean, it's dark right now, <laughs> to say the least. Can, can we end on a positive? Is that possible? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Uh, well, I guess uh, the one thing I'll say is, uh, you know, college football is just a momentum type of thing. You know, like all it takes is, you know, I don't want to say, you know, football is a team sport, but like all it takes is that one four-star maybe fringe five-star that's like, you know what? I want to be the difference, the person that turns FSU, you know, around. Like, look at guys like, you know, Jernigan, uh, Joyner, Telvin Smith, guys that literally had their pick of probably any college football team in the country. And I would say objectively, there were probably other teams at that point in time that were superior to Florida State. Like, you know, we weren't at the bottom, but we were, there were probably other teams like, you know, Bama, maybe Texas, you could maybe even argue Florida, you know, if we're going back to like, you know, 2010, 2009, that, you know, were more attractive at that point. And they chose Florida State for whatever reasons. I don't know if there was money involved. We can get, you know, on that on another subject. But all we need is, you know. The bag, man. Yeah, maybe maybe we need some of those bags being dropped. Bags? Yeah, maybe we, just, we need? just need some bags being dropped. But, uh, yeah, for the people out there, please get on that right now. But um, <laughs> If you're listening. I guess what I'm saying is, like, you know, teams are up and are down. Like, how many people back in 2000 – Dan, you, you've been a Florida State fan longer than Domingo and I have. How many people back in 2006, 2007 are like, this is the end. It will never happen. We're getting our head kicked in by Florida every single – year like it literally can't get any worse and then five years later we're on top florida's in the bottom and now it's flipped again like you can't tell me there's no way we're going to get it out from underneath this like it's going to happen at some point whether it's next year domingo says 2023 like nowhere to go but up in my opinion that's how i end on a positive okay yeah i'll take it will miami be pulling out the uh, turnover chain uh for Mm -hmm. the upcoming game nope uh, whether Blackman will, will give them a gift and then Miami will pull out the uh, turnover chain. A thousand percent. Mark yeah. it down right now. Uh, M- mortgage your house on the turnover chain coming up. Yeah. <laughs> mortgage, mortgage your house on the turnover chain coming out. Jeez, man. Yeah, it's coming uh, out. Yeah, somebody somebody said that I, I think Miami is favored by, by four points, I think was, was a spread. And, and on, on TMB, I, I said to the guys that yeah, mortgage your house that, that I would take money, uh, Miami cover. with the money after, that they cover that one. Mm-hmm. Qu- no way we're not we're, we're winning that uh, by less than four. All right, here's a tra- here's a trade for you guys. We go seven and three the rest of the year, okay? But we have to have the turnover backpack for the next five years. I'll take it, Dan. <laughs> I, I think I would take it, but I, I, I was never. Well, it's really gross. Really was, gross. Yeah, but, yeah, the backpack really, was terrible. The backpack sucked, but, but 
Yeah. Oh, leave that behind. Yeah, yeah. You know, we can't be there. So that's a good positive note. We're not there anymore. So that's good. That's mm-hmm. something. You know, you can, you can, you can, you can be like uh, part of my language. You can be a jackass team if you're if you're actually showing showing for it. We would all embrace the backpack if they were getting like three picks a game and we were undefeated. Right. Everybody would be all about it. Yeah. But but they weren't <laughs> because we were so bad. Nobody is for the backpack. That, I, I think that's a fair comment. Uh, can we get a score and a game script before we go? Ooh. All right. I'm going to go Miami defeats Florida State. Uh, 37-17. Domingo? I'm say Miami beats Florida State. Let's go 34-10. 34-10. Oh, man. Um I guess I'm kind of maybe splitting the difference. I don't know. I'll go – actually, I think mine might be the closest. I'll go 34 to 16. I think it's going to be uh, – I think we all say double digits, and I think the common thing is we think Miami is just going to light up this defense, which is a scary thing to say. But, yeah, I go 34-16. All right, Greg, Greg uh, kick us out. Well, this has been good, guys. Uh, just curious. That we if we do this uh you know a few days after the Miami game, what do you think are the top things we're going to be talking about? James Blackman, and maybe some some star players missing from that start time that we weren't expecting. Jeez, damn. Well, damn. Jacksonville State, I, we've got something to look forward to, I guess, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, but when, was we'll, the, when, was the, when was the last time we started the season zero and two? Don't know. You got I don't know. me. I, I, don't know. I can't remember. You got me. A little homework assignment for next time. All right. For, uh, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> for Dan Almira, Domingo Rodriguez, Greg Seuss here, uh, enjoy uh, Rivalry Week, uh, everybody. It's uh, a really, really weird one during this point, but stay safe, enjoy, and uh, go Knowles. We'll talk to you guys soon. Well, there you have it. An exhaustive uh, review of the Georgia Tech game and a preview for Miami coming up. Uh, one can only hope for the best. I know Miami uh, at closing line today. It looks like the line's actually shifted to uh, Miami by 12. So things aren't looking good for the Knolls. But hey, in a rivalry game, you know anything can happen. So thanks a ton again for Dan and Domingo for uh, talking FSU football with me. Uh, you know the three of us are best of buddies. We do this for fun. Honestly, just a blast. Even when the Knolls aren't doing good, just feels good to uh, you know talk about ball. And uh, it's interesting, Notre Dame and Wake Forest today it was announced that because of COVID, the game is being suspended. So, you know, even bad football, you know, we have to remember there was a time very long ago that we thought that there would be no football right now. So uh, enjoy while it lasts, and hopefully it lasts for a long time. I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast, and uh, perhaps we'll be back sometime next week to uh, hopefully talk about an FSU win. Uh, if not, break down an FSU loss. But either way, rivalry week, enjoy. Take care, guys.